Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. In the course of having used children to sexually blackmail the powerful for so long, intelligence agencies seem to have built an impenetrable stranglehold on the political, judicial, and law enforcement institutions that could curtail this evil practice, ensuring that nothing significant ever happens to stop it, even in the face of overwhelming available evidence, as is the case in the Epstein scandal. The power of this community's suppression machine wields over virtually every person and institution that matters seems virtually complete. The press is missing in action on the intelligence angle of this story too. My guest today is one of the rare reporters who does cover this angle. In his latest article titled The Jeffrey Epstein Cover-Up, Pedophilia, Lies, and Videotape, author and journalist Nick Bryant who has been covering child sex trafficking for almost 20 years, exposes how the intelligence community's suppression machine has been working throughout the Epstein scandal and talks about the mainstream media's silence on the subject. So Nick, you opened your article with a quote from Plato that I think is well worth repeating. It's you said, he said, the worst form of justice is pretended justice. And then you proceed with the details and timeline on how these agencies, government agencies, starting at the state level, uh, actually at the local level and moving all the way up to the Department of Justice, um, how they uh, covered up and engaged in all kinds of shenanigans to get Epstein off the hook and, and not go after the rest of his crew for bigger crimes. So could you start, though, with the news hook that that you wrote the article? You said that you it took you over a year to get this article published, by the way, which I find interesting. I'd like you to talk about. But there was a May 2021 report that came out. Could you talk about that? Well, the state of Florida was guilty of malfeasance on a number of different levels. And there was a grand jury that found that Jeffrey Epstein was not guilty of abusing a single child. I don't know if your audience is familiar with how grand juries work, but they're kind of infamous and they've been known to be able to cover things up. Grand jurors are just regular citizens that have shown up for jury duty and funneled to a grand jury. And generally it's one prosecutor, a special prosecutor is picked and he presents the evidence and calls the witnesses that are shown to the grand jurors. So it's very easy for a special prosecutor to corrupt the grand jury process. In fact, there was a, a New York uh, appellate judge that said uh, grand special prosecutors of a grand jury have so much power over grand jurors that they could get them to indict a hand sandwich. Yeah, that's a very, that's a famous quote. Well, it, explain though how it got to a grand jury instead of going through a regular uh, a regular court. That's important because somebody came, talk about who came and plucked it out of the uh, police department, the evidence out of the police department's hands and took it to a grand jury. What happened there was the uh, Palm Beach Police Department had uh, investigated Jeffrey Epstein for a year. Uh, they'd been very tenacious. Um, and they ultimately decided that Jeffrey Epstein should be indicted on five counts of child abuse. 
and they had the five victims. Actually, they knew of 17 more victims, but they had five victim statements. And then there was a number of uh, corroborating statements. So they thought that uh, the Palm Beach Police Department thought that this would be a slam dunk. But the case was taken away from them and given to a special prosecutor, Barry Kirshner. And his verdict in that grand jury, or that grand jury's verdict was that Jeffrey Epstein hadn't molested a single child. Kirshner only called one of the victims. Um, as now, I said, he was the Palm Beach state attorney. Yes. Right? Yes. And, so... And, he called one underage victim when law enforcement knew of 23 underage victims. He so who? And then he sliced and diced her, and then ultimately uh, Jeffrey Epstein wasn't indicted on a single count of uh, of child abuse. And what you were talking about last uh, a couple of months ago, um, the Florida law enforcement released a report that said that no people in Florida law enforcement had acted with malfeasance or corruption regarding the Jeffrey Epstein case. That was done vis-a-vis uh, -vis Jeffrey Epstein was hunky-dory. Okay, so first of all, this Kirshner, you know, the uh, Palm Beach State attorney who came and took everything away, who is this guy? I mean, who's he connected to that, uh, you know, who's he answering to, do you think? Well, with what we've seen is that the Department of Justice wanted this case to go away. Um, and I think, now I can't prove this, but I think just given the Department of Justice's um, behavior in this case, that it must have rolled downhill because Alexandra Acosta, who was the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Florida, he was originally going to go after Jeffrey Epstein, but he was told that Jeffrey Epstein was, quote unquote, intelligence and that it was above his pay grade. So obviously there were some and, and those people, whoever intelligence was, um, they were able to shut down the federal uh, case into Jeffrey Epstein. And, and I should add that Jeffrey Epstein, we know, was reported for child abuse in 1996 to the FBI. And that was another case where uh, the federal government did not act. Now, if the federal government had acted in 1996, scores and scores of young girls could have not been molested by Jeffrey Epstein and his ilk. Well, I don't know if you've seen, I, I, I recently did a show with Jane Turner, who was a FBI um, special agent who ran into some trouble because she was trying to prosecute a pedophile case and uh, upset some people at the FBI and she was retaliated against and she became a whistleblower. And she just flat out said that there are two reasons, there are two main reasons why the FBI doesn't go after uh, sexual abuse and child sex, sex abuse cases. She said one is because, <laughs> Get this. There are no um, there's there's no moving up the ladder with these types of cases. And the other one is, is that the FBI has a history of protecting the powerful. And, you know, that's the perfect storm in, in this case. So but can we go back to the um, 
the original uh, when when the police department, the Palm Beach Police Department, they had this evidence. If things had gone correctly, if things had gone correctly, where would that case have gone? Who would have who? Okay, so at the <clears throat> at the state level, Jeffrey Epstein would have been indicted on uh, five counts of child abuse, and he would have spent many many years in prison. Now, when it got to the federal level, if the if the feds had really wanted to go after Jeffrey Epstein, they would have gotten the procurers a number. Actually, the New York Times named six procurers, and we know of other procurers because of uh, victim testimony. But those procurers, the feds would have indicted those procurers on multiple counts of child trafficking, which carry a 15 to life sentence. So those procurers would have been looking at, I mean, they were all guilty of innumerable counts of child trafficking. So you could have, they could have been looking at 600 or 700 or 800 years, whatever. Um, and if this was a real, if there was real ju justice here and not pretend justice, it would be like a RICO uh, case in which the feds used uh, for the mafia. The, they would have, these procurers would have been looking at so many years in prison, so they would have rolled over on the perps. Okay, so this is- Including Jeffrey Epstein. <clears throat> this is the whistleblower newsroom, so we name people here. <laughs> I just wanna name these procurers who, uh, or alleged procurers, let's say, who uh, should have been indicted. We have Sarah Kellen, Leslie Groff, Adriana Ross, Nadia Marcinkova, and Haley Robinson and Johanna Stoberg. So where are these people today? Where are they now? Uh, they're probably living their lives out as if they never committed any crimes whatsoever. Ultimately, uh, when that state grand jury didn't indict Jeffrey Epstein on a single count of child abuse, Mike Ryder, who was a real hero in this story, um, he became very vociferous and he called it one of the biggest breakdowns of law and order in modern times. Explain so who Mike Ryder is. Mike Ryder was the uh, chief of the Palm Beach Police Department and he was a real hero in this, as I said. So the federal government came in and did clandestine negotiations behind everybody's back, including the victims, because that's against the law. There's the Victims Crimes Right Act, which basically says that um, victims should have input when, when the judiciary is addressing um, and indicting their uh, perpetrators. But the government completely bypassed that. And Who did they send? When you say the government, are, are you talking about Department of Justice lawyers? I'm talking about the Department of Justice. Okay. Alexander Acosta's Department of Justice. And ultimately what happened there was there was a non-prosecution agreement that was mind-boggling. Um, the, the government gave, exonerated everyone. Well, in the child trafficking network. I mean, and, and it even named a number of the procurers that you named. And it just, it didn't, it, it completely exonerated them. And um, which is, I mean, if you, I, I, in the article that I wrote, um, I use, I've got a link to that document, which is uh, 
a really, really uh, egregious miscarriage of justice, that particular document. The whole thing was a miscarriage, not notifying the victims. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein gets 18 months in a county jail and does 13. And basically the county jail is like his wing is like the Taj Mahal. I mean, everything about the Jeffrey Epstein case stinks. It stunk in 1996. And as we sit here in August of 2021, it still stinks. So um, if indeed what the Department of Justice did was illegal because it contravened this, um, this act, the Crimes Victims' Rights Act, why couldn't it just be reversed to make it, you know, so that we were back in a legal situation and then allow the process, the legal process to ensue? Why is that so hard to do? Why can't you just reverse it and start it a right? Well, it's not hard to do at all. Um... And, and that was shown by the Southern District of New York because Epstein got that sweetheart deal from the, the District of Southern Florida. But the District of Southern New York City indicted Epstein on, on child trafficking. So um, although he was theoretically already sentenced and, and, and served his time, which was 13 months in a county jail, um, but the Southern District didn't pay any attention to what had, the shenanigans that had gone on in uh, Southern Florida. And that's how it could be today. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell should not be the only one sitting in jail awaiting trial. Um, those procurers that we mentioned, they should also be sitting in jail awaiting trial. And as I said earlier, if the government really had the will to prosecute this, then the, all those procurers would have been indicted on multiple counts of child trafficking and ultimately uh, looking at three or four or 500 years, and they would have rolled over on the perps. All the perps have been unscathed um, thus far, which is really, really uh, an unbelievable miscarriage of justice. Um, well, what's interesting, there's several things that are interesting because for one, it's like the FBI went around, they collected all this evidence. I mean, and the evidence is, probably overwhelming they probably have stuff that is you know they watch it and they probably feel like they're smoking crack because they're looking at some major people here you know yes. so they have collected this they've had it for a long time and yet you write in your article that basically they started their investigation in december 2020 is that correct did i understand that correctly they started their investigation, um, yes. And then the investigation into Ghislaine Maxwell uh, took quite some time when, when the names were already out there. I mean, the government who know, knows who the procurers were, the government knows who the perpetrators are. And unfortunately, we're not getting any movement and traction uh, going after the perpetrators. We have Ghislaine Maxwell. and. I, and that whole thing is really fishy, the way that her trial was set for a year and then it's been postponed. Um, she, she's never been perp-walked. Um, we have uh, artist renderings of her at, in court. I mean, that, that whole thing is, and the FBI said that they couldn't find her. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell is used to living the high life and she leaves a, uh, 
a footprint of opulence wherever she goes. So for the government not to dilly-dally around for months without indicting Ghislaine Maxwell, it was just another miscarriage of justice. Well, they actually... They actually did it after somebody sent anonymously, I guess, released a picture of her eating a hamburger and French fries, you know, living the life. I, I think that sort of embarrassed them into into action. Am I am I right on that? Because it seemed like after that happened, you know, oh, oh, she's in New Hampshire in this house with her fabulous home with the with her husband or whatever. You know, one well, the of the thing about that is um it just really goes to show that there hasn't been any justice in the Epstein oh. case. We, we, we've got all these young girls who were molested by Jeffrey Epstein and his ilk. And some of those perpetrators were, were sadistic to some of these girls. I mean, some of those perpetrators were uh, really demeaning to some of these girls. That's just how they got off. And uh, do you know, who are you talking about? And what did they do? Do you can do you have those details? Um, well, we know that some of the perpetrators were were violent and demeaning. Um, and who said that? Who, who uh, where's um, that? Uh, various victims have. OK, so and I want to protect the identities of the victims. So um, no, no, don't name the victims, just name what the perpetrators did to the victims. So the perpetrators could be very, very violent. And I wrote a book called The Franklin Scandal, which is about an interstate child trafficking network that also served children to power brokers. Uh, Epstein is primarily Democrats and little girls, and the Franklin Scandal was primarily Republicans and little boys. And it's the same thing. It's uh, the Franklin network was bigger, so three grand juries needed to be corrupted in just uh, instead of uh, one. But the kids were flown around. Um, there was blackmail involved. Uh, the, the the federal presence was mind-boggling, and and these some of these perps really enjoyed beating the kids out of beating uh, beating up these little boys. I mean, that's our. Uh, those are some of our leaders that, that that's how they that's how they get off is by beating up little boys or little girls. You know, it's so interesting that you brought up your book, because if you go on Wikipedia right now, they talk about the Franklin scandal as being a hoax. Yes. Well, what's with you, Wikipedia is it's been taken over by some editors who refuse to let any truth come out on that Wikipedia page. Um, I've, got, I've got pages and pages of battles that have gone on with, that, with those Wikipedia editors. And they refuse to have anything cogent about the Franklin scale. They just want to make it out as a uh, conspiracy theory of um, all kinds of kooky stuff. And that, that tells me uh, a couple of things. That tells me that this stuff is still going on, which we saw with Epstein. And, and I believe that Epstein and also the Franklin scandal were intelligence operations. And we've got some corroboration. I have a lot of corroboration with that in the Franklin scandal. And then we've got Alexander Acosta's corroboration. So these intelligent entities that are really, really dirty, that are actually using children to blackmail uh, politicians, uh, 
mind-boggling. They, they have to keep that under wraps because Americans have shown tremendous apathy uh, towards many, many things. But I think, I really do believe that if Americans felt like some dark malignant corner of our government was using children to blackmail politicians that that uh, they would act. That some you know, that well, would be much much more easier to uh, to bring people together. Yes, but the the suppression machine is right there. You have, for example, the Wikipedia page, uh, which which calls it a hoax, and and name some his this historian Philip Jenkins. Yeah. Um, Try to get a hold of Philip Jenkins. He doesn't really seem interested in talking to me. But he wrote a book uh, talking about a bunch of witch hunt hysteria, and he called the Franklin scandal one of those uh, yes. witch hunt hysterias. So, but I spent seven years on the Franklin scandal, and I did get the sealed grand jury uh, documentation and um, also testimony of one of those very corrupt grand juries. And I just and I show how very dirty that grand jury is, like the grand jury that didn't indict Epstein on a single count of child abuse. That, those, those grand juries were just very, very dirty. You know, I think at some point, Nick, you should, you should publish your exchanges with Wikipedia. I think people should see that. I also think that you should publish your attempts to reach out to 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 this historian historian Jenkins and show because this is what they like to do. They like to you know they drop it and they disappear and you're left there. But but if you you've got to come back at them and show how they do this because um, I, I was shocked when I saw that because I thought you know it's interesting how the cover up continues today. Exactly. You know? Now, well, go ahead. Well, the reason why the cover-up continues today is that, as I said earlier, these intelligence entities are still using children to blackmail politicians. That's why the Franklin scandal has to be covered up at all, at all costs. Well, that, door, that door cannot even be opened slightly. Well, it's so fascinating because this is a bigger, the Epstein thing is a bigger, messier situation because so much is out there already. But I note with, ver with interest, I didn't know this, the charges against Maxwell are very important. You, you, noted, you noted something that was very important. She is charged with counts of enticement of a minor to travel to engage in illegal sex as opposed to child trafficking. So what's the difference between those two things? And what's the difference in, in the penalties for those two? It's huge. I mean, she did ultimately get indicted on one count of child trafficking. But one count? One count, yes. <laughs> but, okay, so enticement of uh, a minor, I think that's somewhere between, um, I think that's about five years. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's about five years. Um, could be as high as 10. But uh, child trafficking, as I said earlier, carries a 15-year-to-life sentence. So those charges are much more serious. If uh, one count of child trafficking can put you in prison for the rest of your life. Yeah, but I, I don't understand the difference. Enticing a minor to travel to engage in illicit sex as opposed to child trafficking What's the difference? 
It's uh, it's statuary uh, splitting hairs. Well, what is that split hair? I'd like to know, because if you're trafficking a child, what are you doing? You're enticing the child to go with you to engage in illicit sex, aren't you? Isn't that child trafficking? Well, What's the difference between the, the definition? Okay, there, there's enticement to uh, uh, bring a child into uh, into a sexual situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean th there's enticement, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that has gone um, 100% into the realm of child trafficking. It's like I said, it's, it's oh, like it doesn't necessarily mean that the child actually had sex with someone like the child was actually yes, yes. Trafficking. Oh, but child trafficking, there's proof that the child had sex. Yes. yes. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. One thing that did has happened um, in the last 20 years is the federal government has abolished abolished the statute of limitations for uh, child trafficking. And you, we can go back another five years. So uh, all those Epstein perps that were guilty of molesting those girls um, after 2002 can be, uh, they can be indicted. Good. And, and, and tried, and that's what we need. I mean, that article that I gave you is meticulously sourced, meticulously yeah, sourced. Yeah, yeah. Well, just going back to the child trafficking thing for a second, though, Nick, is the um, assistant uh, to Robert Kersher came out, this woman, what was her name? She, she came out and said, well, um, it's not exactly child trafficking because they took money. Yes. They took money for, for uh, uh, even though they're minors. Even though they're minors, yes. And also, um, one of the rationales for not believing the kid was the kid said that, uh, that Jeffrey Epstein had a purple vibrator. One of the other victims had said a white vibrator. I mean, oh, like he couldn't have had two vibrators? Yeah, I mean, like. Uh, like he, you know, he didn't have any money and he could only afford one vibrator. So, um, oh God, it's so Jeffrey Epstein stinks from A to Z. Everything is wrong with this case, but Americans need to act. I mean, this is what has perplexed me is that there are a lot of anti trafficking organizations that should have acted on this. Me too should have acted on this. Um, and I don't know why I put up a, uh, a petition with uh, seven Epstein victims and we got 35,000 uh, signatures, but we still couldn't get a critical mass of people to put pressure on the government. Why? Why? I, it's one of those things where people are frightened uh, by the federal government in this in this area. Um, a lot of these organizations get money from the federal government. So um, that I mean, why would they take money from the federal government knowing how prevalent this is even in the government? I mean, Lori Handerhan wrote that book about America's uh, child rape uh, epidemic, and she names people in government in all kinds of agencies. I mean, Jane Turner, the FBI special agent, when she went to the Office of Professional Responsibility to complain about being retaliated against for pursuing a case against a, a guy 
who uh, sodomized his like three-year-old son or something. Uh, the guy at OPR at the Office of Professional Responsibility turned out to be a pedophile. I mean, why are they taking money? For, it's, it's just madness. If, you're, if you have a mission, then, then respect that mission. And if you can't take money from arenas that you know this stuff is going on. So well, what are they, just money-making up? I mean, I'll say this, because I've been um, investigating child trafficking since 2002, which is 19 years now. A number of these organizations don't have a clue. They're so naive about a number of these organizations are unbelievably naive about child trafficking. I, is it so hard to get a clue, Nick? Is it? Um, well, one would think here's the thing with that. And it, <clears throat> I've experienced it when I pitch a story to editors and when I pitch the Franklin scandal to editors. Um, you know, I told the editors, uh, this is the story. These kids were flown around and molested and blackmail was used. And, uh, and then the federal government, local government covered up the, all the malignant acts of these perpetrators. Now, at that point, an editor can do one of two things. Cognitive dissonance is gonna set in. And the editor can do one of two things. The editor can say, this is a really horrible story about all these children getting trafficked with impunity and I have to do something about it. Or I can just say Nick Bryant's crazy and then I don't have to do anything about it. So, and all editors have gone the latter route with these stories that I have pitched. And it's truly disturbing to me. I started investigating Jeffrey Epstein in 2012 and I actually acquired his black book in 2012. And I went to various publications and told them that I had the black, Jeffrey Epstein's black book. If you want proof, here it is. And still no one would touch an article. Uh, finally, Gawker, of all people, uh, of all websites, I should say, published the black book and the passenger manifest that I had. And, and, and that's very troubling to me because these other publications are supposed to be uh, uh, moral and ethical. But it took the mean kids on the media block, Gawker, to actually step up to the plate and publish the black book that I had. Um, it's all right. Let's it's very frustrating. Let's talk about some of the perpetrators in that black book because, and and the first one I I want to talk about because he's on all sides of this thing. He's on the legal side. He's on the perpetrator side. He's on the attack the victim side. Is Mr. Dershowitz? Okay, talk about him and his involvement in all these aspects of this case. Alan Dershowitz was called in early on. He was one of uh, Epstein's dream team of attorneys. And he, his uh, tactic was firebomb the credibility of the victims, completely firebomb them. Um, he had uh, people look at their Facebook pages and big uh, up various bits of information on them. And then, you know, these girls, I mean, they've been molested. That They're having a difficult time in their adolescence. And, um, you know, some of them might have smoked marijuana or whatever. But, but whenever Dershowitz... So has President Obama. Big deal. Well, 
So Dershowitz used this to firebomb the credibility. Now, Virginia Gufree has said that she was molested by Alan Dershowitz. Sarah Ransom has said that uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein directed her to have sex with Dershowitz. And also um, Maria Farmer, at Epstein's mansion in New York, said that uh, Alan Dershowitz would go up to the stairs where they kept the young girls. So there is triple corroboration against Alan Dershowitz uh, being a, a, one of Epstein's perps. And then he also, this is kind of interesting, he wrote an op-ed for the Los Angeles Times where he said the age of consent should be 15 years old, regardless of how old the other person is. That's, and, that's an endorsement of pedophilia. Well, th that's what he did. So that's an then, endorsement of pedophilia, Nick. 15 that, years a, old, that's, that's a child. That's Alan Dershowitz. That's what I've just told you, oh. Alan Dershowitz. Now, Alan Dershowitz is one of two things, um, and I'll let your audience decide. He's either a good man trying to save his name, or he's a really vile, malignant human being. Well, anybody who endorses fifteen-year-old girls at uh, having the being at the, being at the age of consent, I'm sorry. That is, I'm I'm going to say it again. That is an endorsement of pedophilia. I mean, if you're calling uh, these girls who had sex with Epstein's powerful people at 16 and 17, if you're calling them pedophiles, then somebody who endorses the age of consent to be 15 is endorsing pedophilia at this point. And there's something else with the Epstein case, and I talked about it in my article. Um, oh. Mainstream media has seemed to conclude that the victims were 14 or older. And there's a number of accounts where the victims are as young as uh, 11. Oh. So it's I just see how the uh, mainstream media has sanitized this and continues to sanitize it. And uh, let me ask you something. Dershowitz, Griefray said that she had sex with Dershowitz six times, right? So I'm now when when Jackson Okay. Uh, when he was being accused of pedophilia, Michael Jackson, they actually brought him in. They asked if he had any distinguishing features in his nether regions. They brought him in and had him drop trowel so that they could see if indeed what was being described uh, he possessed. Okay. My question is, why doesn't Virginia have the same right to do? I know it sounds, you know, but I feel like if there's evidence there, if she can prove by talking, you know, showing a distinguishing feature, describing a and he has that distinguishing feature, why shouldn't she be allowed to have him prove that he doesn't have that? Well, as we see, does that sound crazy? No, no. Well, as as we've seen in this case, um, the government, whether it's state, local, or federal, has a major problem in doing the right thing, and and we just see miscarriage of justice after miscarriage of justice. Um, the victims have been completely uh, marginalized, and 
what's been done to them. I mean, they basically, and, and this happens with a lot of victims. Yeah, but doesn't, doesn't her lawyer have the right to ask for that? I would think that he does. I mean, she's had, uh, I think, three or four lawyers at this point. She's going after Prince Andrew. Uh, I think that um, I, I'm not. Same a, thing I'm, with Prince Andrew. What's that? Same thing with Prince Andrew. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an attorney, so I wouldn't be able to answer yeah, that question. Yeah. Satisfactory, yeah. I don't think. It, uh, well, I guess this but conversation. But think that that could be part of the discovery process. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about some of these other people. Um, Prince Andrew, I, I mean, Les Wexner is the one who really is, to me, he's really heavily protected because you don't see anything about, you know, you hear little snippets here and there about Les Wexner and all his money and his complete trust in, in Epstein. And Wexner, of course, has, has backpedaled, but it's hard for him to extricate himself from his intimate uh, connection with Epstein because... <laughs> <laughs> it's documented with dollar signs. So, um, and of course, you, he's connected to, I don't know, some people have been reporting that he's connected to Israeli intelligence and probably to American intelligence. I don't know. But what is it that you know about Les Wexner? Well, I mean, Les Wexner... Uh... The media has been unbelievably apologetic, Tim. Um, and it makes him look like a, a squeaky clean wheel. When in reality, Les Wexner has a number of ties to organized crime. And oh, organized crime too? <laughs> uh, organized crime as in the uh, Genovese crime family, not the uh, intelligence crime family. But in my article, I bring that in, and I don't know if that's been reported at this point. There is a, um, I bring in a, there was a Columbus Police Department report. Um, a lawyer that, whose firm worked for Wexner um, was shot twice in the back of the head, execution style in broad daylight. And this homicide report named Les Wexner as one of the principal suspects and also talked about his connections with organized crime. And then I was able to find some other connections with organized crime too. So when I read this article that Vanity Fair published, that Vanity Fair said that Les Wexner was, uh, was lonely. What? They said Les Wexner was lonely. And that's, that's why he let con man Jeffrey Epstein into his life is because he was lonely. Oh, but what about the death of uh, the lawyer here and, and, and the documents uh, naming him as a possible sub suspect? What about all that? Was that not right? Uh, actually, the police chief of Columbus ordered that uh, police homicide report to be destroyed. And I was able to. What? Get a what? what did you just say? Uh, the police report, the Columbus police report, um, Columbus Police Department report that talks about Wexner being uh, part of a, a suspect in that homicide. Um, the police chief of Columbus, Ohio, um, he ordered that homicide report to be destroyed. And I had the good fortune of getting 
there were uh, a couple of copies that the police didn't know about, and I, I had the good fortune of, of getting one of those copies. So with Les Wexner, and then Wexner said that Jeffrey Epstein embezzled large sums of money from him. And um, now, if Jeffrey Epstein embezzled large money from him and and they only became friends because Lexner Wexner was lonely you would think that Wexner would have called the Department of Justice and said hey this guy has conned me out of millions of dollars but no that didn't happen either so we just see um, the media making apologetics for Les Wexner it's actually uh, kind of mind-boggling well I, I have to say that in the end uh, of course, the media is thoroughly corrupt when it comes to major cases like like this and any major uh, events and cases that, that involve high crimes and major malfeasance. The press is going to do the official narrative thing and that's it. Um, so but because the press, it's not their job to get justice and accountability for crimes. OK, because you can bet that if Les Wexner were indicted today as a perpetrator, uh, you know, involved with these kids, or if Clinton were indicted today, or if Brunel were indicted today, or Prince Andrew were indicted today, uh, the press would report that. Oh yeah, they'd be all over it. The press would report it, but what the press isn't doing is putting any pressure on the government. Of the, I've, you read my Epstein article. I've read scores and scores and scores of Epstein articles. Um, sometimes I think I've read just about all of them. And my article is the only article to call for justice, to indict the perpetrators. Of all the articles and, and the tons of ink, that have been spilt on Jeffrey Epstein, my article is the only one that calls out for the Justice Department to indict the perpetrators. What I find mind boggling is the media has been very good at digging up uh, salacious dirt on Jeffrey Epstein, but that's it. I mean, that's, that's it's this, uh, this treadmill of salacious dirt and the perpetrators are there. We know who the perpetrators are. We know who the procurers are. The media should be putting pressure on on the government to indict these perpetrators. And that's what I find to be mind boggling. Is well, look what happened to the guy who gave you the black book, Alfonso Rodriguez. What happened to him? Well, no, I I got the black book because Alf Alfonso Ro uh, Alfredo Rodriguez. Alfredo. Uh, but, but I didn't but I didn't get the black book directly from him. Oh, well, anyway, he got in trouble because he wanted to get, get money for it, right? Well, and yes, and then he also bought a uh, assault rifle. What? To protect himself. He, he bought an assault rifle. To protect himself from who? Well, he felt he was frightened of Epstein. Okay, so he has this black book, and because he didn't hand it over to the FBI, who already knew who the victims were, um, be but because he didn't hand it over to uh, the FBI, he got 18 months in prison.
Yeah, and it's kind of uh, ironic. That's how much time Epstein got in prison. Although Rodriguez had to do federal time and Epstein uh, had to do uh, county jail time. But it is true. I mean, well, the government was negotiating this uh, non-prosecution agreement with Epstein and avoiding telling the victims um, that they had been, uh, that they were negotiating with uh with Epstein, um, the government had a list of 32 underage victims. And, and I showed that list. I, I, mean, I redact the victims. But the whole thing is crazy because, I mean, at that point, I mean, the Palm Beach Police Department had a list of 23 victims or knew of 23 victims. And then the Department of Justice knows of 32 victims. And yet they give him uh, that they give him that very lenient sentence. So that's where we're at with the Epstein trial and or with the Epstein case. And now that Epstein is dead, um, Ghislaine Maxwell is, looks like she's gonna take the rap. And there's so many other people that need to be indicted in this case. Well, and she's not exactly gonna take the rap for everything she did. You know, I mean, no, she's gonna, well, it's going to be interesting to f see what the plea deal is. Um, I, I don't know. That whole thing is just so fishy with Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, I don't know what to believe about it. It's very difficult in a case like this to know what to believe because the government has acted egregiously and there's been so many lies told. Um, so it's really, I mean, you, you really can't go to the government for truth on the Epstein case. And it's very difficult to get truth from the media. I mean, the media will tell you uh, salacious dirt, but the media isn't um, lobbying for justice in this case at all. Well, my question is, if you possess the truth as, as the lawyers of these, uh, of these victims do possess the truth based on what their um, clients are saying, uh, where are they going to get justice here? I mean, you have just outlined uh, chapter and verse how Epstein basically, for the most part, got off the hook until, you know, the last, you know, they just couldn't protect him anymore. So he either committed suicide or was suicided, whichever one doesn't matter. Apparently he's dead. But um, so what about Maxwell is so you know what about and and now of course you see in the press there is coverage right now of um Guifre's attempts to get Prince Andrew suing Prince Andrew yes yeah um and so they, you know you keep this is what you read in the press all the time oh there's pressure on Prince Andrew the royal family what are they going to do this and that like what exactly can be done at this point, I mean, can he be forced to, to, you know, to give a deposition or what? Well, I mean, if he doesn't, uh, it all depends. Uh, he could default on a judgment. And um, but here's what should happen. Um, the Department of Justice, as I said earlier, um, any of those perps that molested any of those girls after 2002, can be indicted. So those perps, Prince Andrew included, should be indicted. And, um, and our government would have to work out 
a way that Prince Andrew could be uh, extradited here. I mean, if the wheels of justice were uh, were at all correct in this matter. Yeah, that the wheels of justice are not going to. I don't see the wheels of justice bringing Prince Andrew over here. I do not. I, I, it. My reptilian brain tells me that. Um, that in order to make this go away, like right now it's hot because it's in the press. When that dies down, maybe there will be a quiet offer of a gigundo amount of money made. And uh, with that offer is, a, is the price tag of, you don't mention this, him, whatever, ever at all. You know, that's what my reptilian brain is telling me. That may not happen, nothing may happen. Um, you know, there's a chance that he would he would fight it in court, but I don't I don't think so. Although fighting it in court, he he could probably, you know, the justice system has already shown its colors on this thing. So maybe the justice system would would uh, make sure that uh, he was protected in some way. Either way, it's an uphill battle for Guifrey, you know. But Dershowitz has been the interesting thing about Dershowitz is he has been very aggressive. Like he went after boys who was grief Ray's lawyer for he went after boys for defamation. Is that correct? Well, he's going after a number of people. Um, uh, Cassell and Edwards were the original attorneys representing Virginia Goofree. And they had Virginia swear out an affidavit and she named uh, three perps, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, and Jean-Paul Brunel. And Dershowitz was saying that these lawyers are uh, incompetent, they're unethical. And, th and then uh, Cassell and Edwards sued Dershowitz for defamation of character. And I believe that there, there was a countersuit. And Dershowitz vowed that he was going to get their license, that they were never, ever going to practice again. And ultimately, that case resulted in a stalemate. Uh, Edwards and Cassell still have their law licenses. So all that uh, pomp that uh, Dershowitz was uh, deluging the media with was uh, just a uh, sound and fury signifying nothing. Because well, yeah, but then, but yeah, but it's also a signal to any other lawyer who steps up uh, that he's gonna, you know, he's gonna make their lives hell. If, if, I mean, he seemed his whole, <laughs> in many areas, his whole uh, modus operandus is attack, 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 attack. But somehow, somebody has to get through that attack machine at his malfeasance. Alleged well, malfeasance. I mean, Castell um, and Edwards, in fact, did. I mean, Dershowitz vowed to get their license to practice law, and they're still practicing law. Nothing happened to them. Like I said earlier, it ended up in a stalemate. Yeah, but is Dershowitz being indicted? Is he, uh, is, you know. No. But, is he I under mean, any pressure at all to come forward and, and give a deposition? You know, is anybody. What's going well, on? Actually, Gufri is uh, and Dershowitz locked in a defamation suit right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out. And Virginia Gufri, I mean, she has taken on Dershowitz. She has taken on Maxwell. She has taken on Prince Andrew. I mean, this is a victim 
of she's been amazing i must sexual say assault and she's done all of this yeah and, and where are the anti-trafficking groups where are the um anti-exploitation groups where are these groups i mean you've got one victim taking on these big time perpetrators and you and there's no one backing virginia guffrey guffrey other than her attorneys which i just find unacceptable all these anti-trafficking organizations all these anti-exploitation organizations I, well don't doesn't that make you wonder about them well, I mean, as I said before, if that's their if that's their mandate and their mission, and they're not pursuing the biggest, the biggest case of of all of of their lives, really, of this generation, if they're not pursuing that, if they're not if they're not standing behind the victims, then then I have to, you have to you know I'm I'm perpetually suspicious of course you know you have to be suspicious of why they even exist how can you how can you ignore a case like this how can you ignore it well um, a number of anti-trafficking organizations have succeeded at that when I published the Franklin scandal I went to a number of anti-trafficking organizations thinking that they would help me because I did write about a huge child trafficking network that was uh, that can was trafficked kids for uh, 12 years with impunity. And uh, not a single anti-trafficking organization got behind me. What did they say to you? Um, they very seldom returned my emails because, um, because they were, what, what was going on with them is that it was morally indefensible. So, and actually a number of editors uh, that I, and I know some of them, they haven't returned my emails regarding this Jeffrey Epstein article that you, you've read that's been published. Um, and they can, what can they do? I mean, it's morally indefensible to, um, to not help these victims out. And that's what we're dealing with now. But we need these anti-trafficking organizations to get behind Virginia Goofree. It's really, really a sad commentary on our society, on our on on the uh, organizations that claim to care the most about children, um, not to get behind uh, Virginia Gufria. She takes on all these big perps by herself, a victim. It's it's pretty mind-boggling. Well, I mean, I I just feel like it calls for the establishment of a real anti-child i mean I, I i don't know what these other child well, what what they like to do is they like to focus on child trafficking in africa child trafficking in india you know they so it, it's always the child trafficking in the you know at the lower levels of of uh of society and and the problem with this is this is the, at the highest level i mean as you called it you said you know this is this this black book revealed the Davos crew. <laughs> we're all, you know, we're all in uh, Jeffrey Epstein's black book. They were all in his black book. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that he had some, uh, that he's got very powerful connections. William Clinton had uh, a number of contact numbers and, or Epstein had, a, Epstein had a number of contact numbers for Bill Clinton. He had a number of contact numbers for Donald Trump. So Epstein 
was obviously associated with two former presidents. And that kind of shows you the power that he does. But I think ultimately it's the, uh, the intelligence agency that's protecting Jeffrey Epstein because it's the one thing it cannot allow is, and I said it earlier, it, it cannot allow that um, domestic intelligence, that our intelligence entities are using minors to blackmail politicians. Um, but, that that's, is, but that's out in the open right now. Um, it's, it's, it's been reported, you know. Been, it, it, it hasn't been reported that much. I mean, you've got Acosta saying that it was intelligence, but not a lot of um, uh, magazines have followed up on that or publications have followed up on that. Um, Rolling Stone has published a couple of articles, but they're kind of, uh, I don't know, um, ingenuous. Well, I, it just seems to me like if, if you can't crack that nut, first of all, what does that say that intelligence has control over the top echelons of power in this country, over the justice system, over law enforcement? What does that say? I mean, this, there's nothing, I, I have to tell you, Nick, I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again. I, I don't think there's any crime worse than child sex abuse. I really don't. I mean, it's the murder of an innocent soul. It's the destruction of a soul, yes. Yes, and so if the intelligence community uses this as a tool, I mean, that to me is evil. And yes. that evil has permeated everything, the justice system, the law enforcement system, the political system. So where do you go from here? Well, as I said, it's up to the fourth estate, the media, to put pressure on the government. The government obviously isn't going to, at least at this point, has not shown the will to prosecute any of the perpetrators. What we need is the media. But why are you, why do you keep calling on the media when you yourself have personally experienced the complete corruption of the media on, on stories like this. Because what else do we have? Well, I mean, that's the question. That's, that's the question, Nick. What else do we have? So it would really be nice to have some people that are ethical in the uh, media that think that child molestation is thing and don't think that uh, perpetrators should be uh, able to molest children with impunity. Because what we're, what we're showing now is we're, we're showing other perpetrators that if you have the money, you can molest children in America. You can get off. Um, and, and then we're also telling other countries, um, if you have the money, you can molest children in America with impunity. That's the message that's coming out now. And then on the flip side of that, if you are a victim and you've been molested by someone who's rich and powerful, you don't have a chance at justice. So these are the messages that our government and our media are sending out. And they are heinous, egregious, reprehensible. Um, but those are the messages that are coming out right now. That if you can have money, if you have the, 
the money and the connections, you can molest uh, children in America. We're going to have to leave it at that. But um, I really thank you for your work. You have my deepest gratitude for the work and admiration.